the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You listen, and I promise I'll do my best to come up with investment concepts for you. If you want me to go a certain direction, am I too news heavy and you want more strategy? Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. That's rob at robblack.com. 401k plans, they're kind of a piggy bank, aren't they? You should save 10 to 15% of your salary into a 401k plan, in my opinion, each paycheck. They're tax advantaged. They help people sock away money for retirement. It's a piggy bank. But do you remember a piggy bank as a kid? kind of wanted to crack it and get into it at times, didn't you? My parents gave me a red cash register that you had to sock away 40 quarters, 10 bucks in order to, it locked after 50 cents, and you had to sock away $9.50 more cents until it would open back up, and woohoo! Out came the money, and what did I do with it? The one thing you don't want to do is ever rob your 401k or take money against it. It's It's... It's not a piggy bank for that. It's a piggy bank for retirement. That's when you get to crack it open. Good news, people. Three more sets of tickets. Three more sets of tickets right here, right now. Big giveaway. Colors four, five, and six. Disney on ice. Dare to dream. We'll make it easier. Colors three, four, and five. Disney on ice. Dare to dream. Um, this is the last three sets of tickets I have. You will receive a family four-pack of complimentary passes to Disney on Ice, Dare to Dream, by Stonyfield Yo Kids Organic Yogurt. That's who's presenting it. Awesome. Disney is awesome. They put on a good show. You know that, and I know that. With this voucher, you will be able to go to, you'll get four complimentary passes to the Oracle Arena, October 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, or 11th, or the SAP Center in San Jose, October 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th, or the 18th. It's coming up. It's great father-daughter, father-kids, family, if you want to do the family of four angle. 
Um, I highly recommend you take advantage of these. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Previous winners are excluded from the contest. 800-516-1220 to get your calls uh, to receive to to get it. So right now, Disney on Ice Dare to Dream. It's the last day of my giveaway. Um, you receive a family four-pack of complimentary passes to Disney on Ice Dare to Dream, presented by Stonyfield Yo Kids Organic Yogurt. Let's do a quick segment with CFP Chad Burton. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Back in 1997, Kevin Smith made a movie called Chasing Amy. It was a romantic comedy. And in the world of investing, you kind of want to chase yield. You want your money working for you and yielding some profits. Let's talk about that area, Mr. Burton. Well, there's a difference between investing for income and the kind of decumulation phase versus chasing yield, which a lot of people are being forced to do. And in fact, it's kind of, that's what the Fed wants. The Fed wanted, you know, interest rates to be down so that people go out and say, okay, my money's not doing anything in banks. Let's get it out there in the capital markets. Well, that pushed bond prices way up and yields way down. I mean, when we're looking at high-yield bond funds, which the real term is junk bond funds, these are companies that don't have the greatest credit, right? Mm -hmm. These are companies that... Uh, you know, one big thing happens, such as a big drop in oil, they're all of a sudden defaulting on bonds. Those are high-yield bonds. Those to be only rewarded a 45 to 5.5% rate of return on them, there's something wrong there. That's that's more risk. It's just as much risk, if not more risk, in the stock market, and people aren't getting paid necessarily to do it. Now, do they have some room to grow? Yeah, probably, because rates are still historically low. But I think a lot of people have been forced into situations where, Number one, they forgot how they felt and how they reacted in 2000, 2001, and 2002, and then again in 2008 and 9 when the market was down, you know, almost 40% from its highs. So then they've gone and gotten really aggressive on the dividend-paying high-yield stocks or high-yield bonds, and they've been doing really well. But if there's a credit situation, um, if there's a jump in interest rates, then these things can drop in value anywhere from 5 to 20%. And the same thing with preferred stocks. So a lot of people load up on these things just because they have high current income and thinking, oh, it says it, because it has high current income, it must be like a bond or a CD, it must be safe. And I think people are really not aware of the risks that they've created in their portfolios. In fact, a lot of high-yield bond funds or junk bond funds now own up to 10% to 20% in stocks inside these things to keep the, the yield high. Um, so it's it's a situation where people really have to monitor their portfolio. What's the difference between an exchange-traded note and an exchange-traded fund? Exchange-traded fund is actually holding the underlying securities. An exchange-traded note tracks the underlying securities, but it's still subject to the, to the uh, credit quality of the issuer. So, for example, uh, you know, some common ones out there are related to master limited partnerships or these you know, oil and gas uh, companies that they they get paid a toll to have oil flow through them and things like that and uh, they there's certain ways to invest in those but most of the time when you invest in them you get a K1 and it's a tax nightmare but you can go into them in terms of an exchange traded note or an ETN and not have the K1 nightmare um, for example one of them uh, is AMJ which is JP Morgan's Illyrian MLP, so it invests in oil and gas master limited partnerships, but it's an ETN. So, for example, you're you're kind of investing in that and taking that risk, but you're also taking the risk of J.P. Morgan's credit quality, for example. Now, is J.P. Morgan fairly strong? Yeah, much stronger than they were in 2007, that's for sure. 
Um, there's also other ETNs or exchange-traded notes that have to do with um, different styles of bond investing and leveraged bond investing. And so people look at them and they think it's a normal holding, but sometimes there's leverage involved and then an additional credit quality. Now, are there some good ones out there? Yes, there are. But I think a lot of ETNs, uh, people don't understand the difference between an ETN and an ETF, and there's an extra kind of layer of credit worthiness that you have to be worried about. Anything about foreign bonds that we should know about in about one minute or less? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you got foreign bond funds, and there's some decent uh, yields that are out there. So obviously you have corporate foreign bond funds and then sovereign foreign bond funds where you're just buying the uh, you know debt of the country, almost like uh, U.S. treasuries, but from different countries around the world, whether it's Mexico or Brazil or, or whatever. And there are some higher yields available out there. Um, I wouldn't do it unless the bond fund manager has some of the ability to hedge against currency issues because the U.S. dollar has been going up. We spent some time when the dollar was going down, and, and so it really depends on the country and also the currency issues. So we've got about a third of our bond exposure in foreign bonds, but uh, the manager has the ability to deal with the currency as well as find the right investments inside of it. It's a little bit more volatile, but you do get a little bit more yield. Sounds good. That's CFP Chad Burton with lots of information about chasing yields. You can find him and articles about ideas like this at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. Government shutdown is looming. Is that a big problem or not? It not. Will it create a buying opportunity in the market? Will it increase the sell-off that we've per- currently been going through? No one knows. But if it does, it creates buying opportunity. Lawmakers get a bit more breathing room this time around since financial backup measures can hold out until no- mid-November or early December. Last time we had a government shutdown, October 2013, it lasted 16 days, and we've gone way higher in the stock market since that period of time, just saying. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Money investing and more. Bill Gates, the richest man on the ten richest on Forbes four hundred. Fifty nine years old. He looks older. His net worth is $76 billion. Last year, he's down $5 billion. He's the richest man for the 22nd year in a row. Fortune down 6% year over year. Gates owns just under 3% of Microsoft, which accounts for 13% of his total fortune. His private investment firm, Cascade, makes up the rest, investing in stocks, bonds, uh, private equity. His lifetime philanthropic giving, over $31.5 billion dollars. He'd be even more egregiously wealthy. Number two on the list, Warren Buffet. 
his fortune is down five billion in the past year because Berkshire Health uh, Hathaway fell. Um, he owns companies like Precision Cat Auto Parts, um, Geico Dairy Queen, Fruit of the Loam. You know, Geico Dairy Queen, Geico Insurance Company, Dairy Queen, uh, little fast food angle with freezies and smoothies and such. Underwear, Fruit of the Loom. So he buys things that we're going to use again and again and again. I've used car insurance, home insurance, uh, health insurance, life insurance, and I'm going to use it till hopefully I'm done with those scenarios. When will I be done with those scenarios? Not in my lifetime. Um, he's given $25 billion to charity so far. Larry Ellison, he's 71. How is Bill Gates 56 and Larry Ellison is 71? His fortune's down year over year. Um, he's worth $47 billion. He stepped down as CEO of Oracle in September 2014. He stayed on as chairman. Both of his children are Hollywood moguls. His daughter, Megan, financed films like Zero Dark 30 and American Hustle. His son, David, has produced franchises like The Terminator and Mission Impossible. Jeff Bezos, fourth on the list, worth $47 billion, up $16 billion year over year. He's 51. Bezos, 51, and um, Bill Gates, 57. That doesn't seem right. So he's uh, announced an aerospace company Bezos had, Blue Origin, that could spend over $200 million to build reusable rockets and launch them into orbit from a site at Cape Canaveral by the end of the decade. Big plans for what's after Earth. Because Earth will eventually not be Earth, right? Our sun eventually goes dark, and uh, something horrible will happen to our planet eventually. Maybe sooner than later, right? We don't know. There's a guy on the list, Charles Koch. Uh, he runs Koch Industries, the country's second largest private company, with $115 billion in sales. He's a political heavyweight. Uh, he's crusades for smaller government and economic liberty to campaign for civil rights and hopes his network of several hundred wealthy conservatives will spend up to $300 million on candidates and another $600 million on efforts to reduce the regulation and reform the criminal justice system. Big commodities and industrial guy. His brother, David Koch, uh, co-owner. So he's New York City's richest resident. I thought uh, Carl Icahn was. But anyway, Zuckerberg's number seven on the list. He's only $31, and he's worth... 31 years old, and he's worth $40 billion. Um, he's got a ways to go to catch up with Bill Gates, will he? Probably not. Facebook's big. Uh, we'll see how big he's able to get it. Uh, big into advertising. Michael Bloomberg's on the list. He's worth $38 billion. He's 73 years old. Uh, former mayor of New York. He's donated $100 million to Cornell's University, uh, Cornell University's technology campus. So Jim Walton's on the list of uh, Walmart. And Larry Page from Google. He's 42 years old, worth $33 billion. Their stock hit an all-time high in July. He's going to shift from CEO of Google to CEO of Alphabet. Google, including YouTube, is one of the most is one of the most of one of multiple companies that will be under that alphabet umbrella. So, uh, do you see any real estate people in there? Nope. You see businesses, business owners, pretty good inheritances. Do you see any tr day trading software in there? No. 
Uh, you see Berkshire Hathaway, who he made his wealth in his lifetime by, you know, investing in companies. Again, do you see any day traders? No. Do you see any people who are real estate, buy real estate in Dallas? No. Do you see any mortgage lenders? No. I'm just throwing it out there for you. If you want to be rich, study the rich. Figure out how they did it. I am darn tootin'. Um, U.S. home prices rose steadily in July, lifted by higher sales. The current housing inventory is about 5.2 months of sales. Six months is considered a balanced housing market. After you get over six months of inventory, i.e., if no more houses go on sale, it's going to take six months to sell all those houses. Once you get over six per, six months, prices start to fall. But we're at 5.2. So prices won't fall until we get to six. I'm not going to guarantee that. I guarantee it. Um, I'm not going to do that. Big gains in San Francisco um, and Denver in the last year. Um Denver would have been a much easier market to get into because San Francisco is a, like a cash-only market to get into. So realize that these numbers differ like gold and clay. Price gains in much smaller eastern Midwestern cities uh, gained. Home prices were just 1.7% higher in D.C., only 1.8% higher in Chicago, and only 1.9% higher in New York. The market's continuing to heal and find its footing in a new environment. Higher interest rates coming from the Federal Reserve and down the road should make homes less affordable. Again, I use the word should. Um, So the Fed is not the friend of the housing market, but because there's a global slowdown in world economies, uh, they don't want to put their money in their stock markets because their economies are slowing down. So they're like, let's go put the money in the dollar. And that's keeping costs lower on mortgages. Otherwise, the mortgage rate right now, instead of being around four and a tenth, 4.1, it'd probably be more around 4.6, 4.7. But the short-term flows of money into uh, the dollar and into U.S. investments has kept the cost of borrowing pretty low. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. What if your spouse is dying? If your husband has terminal cancer and you have to look at the finances, you have to start looking at spouse's credit reports. You have to start looking at how much credit they have. Even if you keep everything separate, when someone gets sick, you have to sit down and go, let's take a look at this. You don't just let them run up debt. That debt and the outstanding debt could be passed on to you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more, 800-516-1220. Joining me now from briefing.com, Patrick O'Hare, Chief Market Strategist. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hello, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yourself? I'm good. Um, Do down markets make you anxious? Do they bring out any emotions in you? (laughs) Um, Sure they do, because I'm human, (laughs) and... uh, hard uh, not to uh, look at things somewhat from an emotional standpoint. Um, you know, you try to, though, uh, divorce those emotions and look at things, you know, more, more fundamentally uh, as, a, as a market analyst to, uh, to guide your assessment of matters. And, uh, you know, one of the, I think, the big hang-ups right now is that, you know, we have a market that is rather fully valued, um, but we can see sort of this... Um, uh, tinderbox of emotion simmering here uh, that could really just overshadow any fundamental considerations and potentially, you know, lead to some trapdoor selling if, if things get out of hand. I mean, we're, we're obviously hearing a lot of reports uh, these days about the potential for a bear market unfolding. Um, admittedly, I wrote one on uh, on Friday in my big picture column just pointing out the the some of the signs people can be looking at right now that would suggest a bear market occurring in the next 12 months would not be a total surprise. Um, and then, of course, just the the chorus of headlines surrounding China, uh, the uncertainty regarding the Fed, the uh, issues with Glencore and the commodity space, and the uh, the widening spreads in the high yield, you know, uh, junk bond market. So, uh, a lot of bearish sounding noise right now uh, that could be a, a trigger. Um, you know, for some emotionally based selling um, uh, that just sort of like looks right past any type of fundamental issues. With that said, is the backdrop of what you're discussing enough to be a 20% correction, a 30% correction, a 40% correction? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we looking at another 2008 to 2002, or should this just be more tempered? Right. Well, you know, when emotions take over, there's really uh, no telling, you know, how uh, oversold or, you know, you can get. I mean, the uh, uh, markets can stay overbought a lot longer than you think. They can stay oversold a lot longer than you think. They can move to these extremes more so than you might ever imagine. You just you just really don't know. Um, so uh, what, you know, we've been advising briefing.com readers essentially is, you know, is like you know, don't be complacent in a market environment like this. Um, you know, you uh, need to look at uh, your investment portfolio and ask yourself, you know, what what do you need out of this, right? And when do you need it? Uh, and the answers to those questions, I think, will ultimately, you know, uh, lead to you know decisions uh, or perhaps no decision because um, everyone's different. Uh, everyone has different needs uh, at different points in time, but the general investment environment out there from my perspective um you know through year end here anyhow doesn't look so 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 swell um you know we try to keep 
uh, offsetting all of the other issues with this ongoing commentary about how good the U.S. economy is doing relative to other developed economies, true, but it's not like the U.S. economy is running gangbusters here either. Um, and I'm not so um, accepting of the idea that in this interconnected world of ours uh, that slowdowns abroad that include China, uh, Japan having been in contraction in the second quarter, Brazil in a deep recession, Canada in recession, uh, Russia in recession, you know, I'm not so convinced necessarily that uh, the U.S. can just um, skirt you know, through those issues uh, unscathed here. And, um, you know, it's it's looking to me as if we're going to kind of certainly be sort of stuck in this, you know, low-growth environment, which might be good relative to other economies but still isn't great overall. And I think is one of the reasons why we're not seeing any, uh, you know, multiple expansion here because investors are unwilling uh, to pay up for, you know, every dollar of earnings like they used to be. And uh, and they know, or at least hearing anyway, the central bank of the United States saying that um, you know they really want to raise interest rates. So what are we looking for at this point in time? Is there obviously the Fed interest rates by the end of the year is going to be something? The U.S. jobs numbers should they start going the wrong way? What do we? What's the next step in your your analysis? All right. Well, you're in, you're in the ballpark, Rob. I think we're we're looking at the data. Uh, you have to be, because um, the data has been a a catalyst for this uh, downleg since since August. I mean, it has not um, unfolded in the hopeful manner a lot of people thought it would. Um, and right now, you need to see uh, recurring signs of nothing worse than stabilization, and ideally, uh, you know, signs of improvement that are going to uh, essentially, you know, rid the market of its concerns about the uh, contagion effect of a slowdown in foreign markets impacting the U.S. Um, the employment report on Friday uh, certainly as good of a place as any to start uh, as it relates to the U.S. outlook. Um, but based on, you know, briefing.com consensus estimates uh, for that report, it's going to produce, it's likely to produce more of the same, you know, which is a decent payroll growth, but no real growth in wages. Um, and uh, and so you're just kind of, you know, trudging along. Uh, not bad, but it's not as good as, you know, as we need it to be to really get uh, to buy into the idea that the U.S. economy is going to accelerate to such a degree that it's going to pull the rest of the world up with it, as opposed to being kind of stuck in this somewhat neutral gear here and being at risk of being pulled down with the uh, troubles abroad. As a strategist, what are you recommending people do if they've done nothing and they're overweight stocks, U.S. particularly? Well, I th- you know, I think that uh, if they're, you know they're overweight at that at this point, and given that we see a market that is, uh, you know, fully valued, uh, pretty much uh, before interest rates have even gone up, um, you know, we advise that they look at some of their big winners, um, you know, with sitting on, you know, if they're sitting on some real outsized gains, um, and start, you know, trimming some of those positions. And with a longer-term orientation, perhaps look at, you know, reallocating into some of those uh, really beaten-down areas um, that uh, will be rewarding for patient-minded investors. Uh, but we think that, you know, now is a, a reasonable time to be a little bit more cautious 
uh, in the uh, in the stock market outlook, um, and uh, you know not to uh, feel like you're missing the boat, if you will, on every you know uh, knee jerk rally that we're seeing because uh, you know we think that there's been an important uh, mind shift that's occurred uh, here since what. Since the sell-off in late August, you know, principally that this whole notion that you just buy on every dip and don't worry about anything uh, has uh, been supplanted by the view that you know you really should sell into strength, right? And so we're seeing the market here have some of these great moves up, uh, but they are unsustainable these days because uh, the psychology of the market has shifted, and the recognition is starting to seep in that. Uh, it's going to be difficult for there to be multiple expansion with uh, if the Fed is is holding true to its um, uh, supposed word that it really wants to raise interest rates here before the end of the year. And granted, it might just be an incremental rate increase, um, but again, I'm not buying the notion that they're <laughs> they're necessarily just one and done. They they're telling us that they're going to be gradual, but um, but you can't take that as gospel because. You know, if the economy really unfolds like they hope it will, um, you know, then I think that, um, you know, they might have to come off that um, that gradual view, if you will, and that the market might ultimately get concerned that the Fed is then behind the curve and that can create a whole lot of volatility down the road. But um, so, yeah, the the, the, the near-term picture here is, is looking pretty cloudy at the moment, so we're not urging any sense of uh, aggressive, uh, you know, allocation, if you will. We've got about a minute and a half. Anything that you want to bring up as far as thoughts or ideas that we should yeah, just have going through our head other than market seems volatile on the downside? Yeah, well, you know, we're about ready to come into the uh, third quarter earnings reporting period. Um, plenty of reports are out there talking about how it's, it's you're not likely to see earnings growth in the third quarter. The current consensus estimate, according to S&P Capital IQ, is for a decline of uh, about 4.6%. Um, but I think that we're going to, you know, need to pay careful attention to uh, to this particular period and, and what companies are saying about their their top line, uh, and we could see some spillover effect if that's not unfolding in a favorable manner. You know, watch the high yield spreads again because uh, those concerns about growth are going to to, to escalate and they'll probably be reflected in a um, higher um, spread in the high yield area. We've got less than a minute, so this has to be quick. Carl Icahn sees danger ahead. What are your thoughts on activist investors and people with high profiles talking markets? Right. Well, you know, he says he's more hedged than ever, um, so you could make the point that he's kind of talking his book. Um, um, but I think he's right to raise some of these reservations about what we've seen here with financial engineering, uh, with corporate buybacks. Uh, called attention to those high yield spreads and things things of the nature and i think it's just being understandably prudent right now and i don't think it's necessarily out of line you're the best it's patrick o'hare with briefing.com giving us market perspective check out briefing.com i do each and every day i start with his page one article it gives me some perspective on what to expect coming to work i'm rob black talking all things financial money investing and more we'll be right back
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, just don't be shy. That's the one thing that I kind of push out there. Uh, we talk a lot of strategy. We could talk, you know, McDonald's moving to cage-free eggs. Is that a win for McDonald's? No, it's a, a win for the cage-free egg industry. So foodies and farmers are in unusual agreement on this. McDonald's recent decision to transition to cage-free eggs from its ports McMuffins and other menu items. It's a tipping point in the $9 billion egg, which still produces 96% of its eggs in barns full of stacked wire cages. It will become increasingly hard to ignore a buyer of 2 billion eggs, especially given that McDonald's joined a flock of companies that already made similar supply line switches, including some cafeteria-type companies, Burger King, Dunkin' Donuts, and Starbucks. The consumer is willing to, you know, the consumer dollar wins. And uh, I highly want you to see that trend. Uh, when you have money, you have a right. 800-516-1220. Uh, in the bankruptcy area, it is a fraudulent to use a credit card with knowledge that the debt will be unable to be paid. Something I was talking about a little bit earlier when you know, you're dying of cancer and you're like, I'm going to go spend a lot of money on my credit card. Um, some states make spouses responsible for each other's necessities. If there is a state law making spouses responsible for each other's necessities, which may include medical care, the spouse can be held liable. Um, let's be careful on how you plan things is probably the right way to think about it. I would like you to come up with a concept in your head and you just basically call it slam duck stocks. Maybe call it blue chip stocks. Maybe call it my shop, stock shopping list. But start writing some of this stuff down. And if you want to email me, rob at newfocusfinancial.com, I can give you like some feedback. It won't be financial advice, but I could say, hey, I see Nikes on your list. Um, keep in mind, it's just it's up 30% of the year when a market gets down. And in a market where it's down, you may find that um, sometimes people will sell their winners. So just be kind of cautious on it. Um, you know, it's down 3% from its all-time high. That's not a big enough move to say, you're all safe. Time to get back in the water. Or is it for you? I mean, again, we're all different as far as investors go. The S&P 500's up 8, the Dow's up 44, the NASDAQ up 24. We started lower, we went higher. Uh, there were sellers at the beginning of the market, the buyers came in. Is it technically holding support that people want it to hold? It looks that way, but we have earnings coming up. Earnings January, February, March get played in April. April, May, June get played in July. July, August, September get played out in October. Take a look at the calendar. October's coming up. There's a big fear that we have something called a revenue a revenue recession. So there could be weakness this quarter. Um, be 
because people like Carl Icahn are saying, hey, low interest rates have made corporations do things like acquire each other using debt that they typically wouldn't be able to do. And he's calling for you know some calamity out there. Now, again, he's not specific enough to say how much and when and where and why and how and exactly what you should do because, again, he doesn't know you. So it's probably pretty good advice not to, you know, say, well, he said. Um, that's just setting yourself up for a problem, in my opinion. Car sales are going to grow for the foreseeable future, but car sharing is also going to grow. Companies like Zipcar, which is owned by Avis Budget Group, uh, demand for their product is growing. Automakers are getting into the market as well. Daimler launched Car2Go. BMW has Drive Now. Ford introduced Peer2Peer, a car sharing option, being tested through November in Berkeley, Oakland, and San Francisco, Portland, Chicago, and Washington, as well as London. Ford is inviting 14,000 customers in the U.S. and 12,000 in London to sign up for rent vehicles to pre-screen drivers for short-term use. Um, so the car makers aren't being totally stupid. They're trying to figure it out. They don't want to lose out on this. Um, surveys have found that American millennials are 16% less likely to commute by car to work. Um, they use public transit almost three times more often, and they're 23% less interested in owning a car that the generation that precedes them did. Carl Icahn has warned of danger ahead, like I said. One of the areas that he talks about is corporate taxes. And this is one of the reasons I don't like the big talkers getting out on CNBC. He says companies like Apple, which he's one of his largest investments, he wants companies to bring back $2.2 trillion in cash and not pay taxes on it, which it would be roughly $770 million. So worthy of note, right? By 2020, Apple Watch shipments will be equivalent to about two-fifths of the luxury watch market, assuming a lower bound price of $350 for the luxury watch category, and including Apple Watch in that category, traditional wristwatches would account for 60% of total shipments in 2020, while Apple Watch would account for about 40%. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page, I Hate Rob Black, or Facebook fan page, Cron4, Rob Black, that's K-R-O-N-4.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Hopefully we'll talk soon. Um, questions? Drop me an email, rob at newfocusfinancial.com. It's rob at newfocusfinancial.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.